to CTO Think. I'm Don Vandemark. And I'm Randy Burgess. Don, what's going on? So this week, uh, doing a few things. Talked a little bit last week uh, for Aspire EDU, how we were uh, looking to bring on a developer. Um, looks like we're going to go ahead and go through with that. So um, lots of lots of new, uh, new work going to be generated. So it's always good to get somebody on board who can help push the product along. Um, looking really looking forward to that. Um, and I'm sure that'll be the, the, uh, subjects of something in the future. How do you, how do you onboard a person? Onboarding? <laughs> yes, no doubt. <laughs> Definitely a good topic. Um, and with, uh, with construction specialties, um, we, we also, uh, brought on a, a person, but that that's a different flavor of person. So that's more operations than technical. So this is more the onboarding of getting them an email address and yeah. setting them up on the, the company systems and things like that. Yeah. So two completely different roles, um, but very similar things. And then I'm working on a couple of side projects as well, which uh, we'll probably get into <laughs> later. So what, what have you been up to? Uh, well, on the CTO Think side, I just launched uh, a Patreon account page for CTO Think. Um, one uh, something that's important to me is um, accessibility and technology, sure. and transcripts are kind of one of the things that podcasts some do, some don't. And a transcript, and you know, is just you send a video file to a professional that takes all every word for word and types out the written version of the podcast. Right. And, you know, it's not a big audience. Um, it's interesting. I talked to a podcaster last week and their attitude was, I don't have no idea why you care about people like the, the small audience that cannot listen. And I'm, I guess that's just not where I approach technology to me. There's a number of reasons outside of accessibility why transcripts can be helpful, but I do think that you know promoting your product or promoting technology for a wider audience is always a good goal. So the Patreon goals um, and people, a listener can go to our ctothink.com website and find the Patreon account in the contribution section. Goal is to it costs about thirty bucks uh, an episode or one dollar a minute for professional transcripts, and our goal is to have basically a podcast a week. Comes out to about fifteen hundred or so at the end of the year, and so our goal is to reach that. If we double that goal, we will find other podcasts out there that we can offer transcripts for their episodes. So right. We'll see how it works. Um, it's the only major expense we have running CTO Think besides time. So um, I'm hoping we can get some supporters that will help us make the podcast more accessible in that case. The other projects, uh, HOA done. I'm resisting the urge to over-engineer before I launch a product. So I've done a lot of back-end um, controller testing, TDD, stuff that we were talking about last week. And trying to get some of the very basic features working on that. 
in terms of client work, um, can't go into too much detail, but we are pushing forward a project we put on the back burner and hopefully um, we'll have a system that allows for greater distribution of the company's main product. So that does take a lot of API interaction, having to build a lot of it. Um, a lot, of, a lot of back and forth between an API of some of the distribution system. So that's been, that's kept me pretty busy for the week. Um, but talking about today's topic, um, this goes into our side project discussion somewhat because you and I were talking through Slack earlier in the week and you made a comment that you have coded, you have been coding every day for the last seven or so days a week, which is abnormal for you based on your current roles and what you've been working on. And that's kind of, that was interesting to me because I feel like the last six months, I've been at least six months, if not more, I've been coding every day um, or every working day for a while, which is not the true, like the case for myself. Like I have, you know, my history is that there were a good 10 years of being a CTO where I didn't code for work much at all. So the question today, the question for you right now is, should a CTO, should a technology manager, is it necessary? Do they need to be a coder? Do they need to be a programmer? This comes up a lot in questions from recruiters to me, where a company is like, I want a CTO that codes. I want a hands-on CTO. So my question to you is, how important is that for a CTO to, I guess, one, be able to code, have experience hands-on, and two, to be coding right now um, for either the job or just in life doing some project? How important do you think that is? Right. So the easy answer is it depends. So <laughs> we'll, we'll walk through we'll walk through the what makes up that part of it depends yep. um, for, for Aspire EDU. When we first started, when we, when we were building the product, um, we made a very conscious decision to program in Python and Django. Yeah. Um, even though I had zero experience with either. Um, and the reason we did that was the, programmer we were bringing on board to do a lot of the heavy lifting, that was his language of expertise. So it was much more important to me that the person who'd be doing the heavy lifting was the one who would, we, we put in their comfort zone. Um, we certainly could have done PHP JavaScript where, where I was a little more comfortable and where I had experience. But that would have been uh, that would have meant either finding somebody else or a learning curve for the person doing the lifting, and that didn't make any sense. So, yeah. in the early days, I I jumped in and and started learning Python and and was starting to learn Django and did some of the work. Um, but my role at Aspire Edu is not as a coding CTO. It's not to be. Um, hands-on on every line of the code. Um, yeah. Certainly, uh, I, I do look at all the pull requests that come through, um, take a glance at each of those. Um, certainly, 
um, have discussions with uh, our developers around the direction. Um, yeah. we're, we're right now talking about um, we're, we're hosted on Heroku. So part of the whole refactoring we're doing is to get off of Heroku potentially or reduce our, our costs in, in other ways. Yeah. And part of that discussion is, okay, do we go to Kubernetes? Do we go, um, are, are, are we going to use something which it's a service called Convox, which is um, kind of a Heroku like platform, but yeah. um, not as, not as, um, not as opinionated, I guess would be the point to make there. Um, so I have those types of technical discussions. We talk about technical direction, um, but just as important to my role is taking all that technical um, discussion and language and taking it to the business side. So my role at Aspire EDU is, is to be that liaison. But do you, so on that point, do you think that having coded at all in the Aspire EDU code base provides you the, an advantage over if you had never touched the code, didn't even know Python now? Are you, are you enhanced or is your, is your effectiveness better because of the fact that you have done something I think the answer to that has to be yes. Um, I, I certainly can um, read the code better, just having had some experience with it. So, and and it, I, I don't even want to pretend like it was, I, I contributed a large portion of the code base. That's That wouldn't even be close to true. Um, but because I did some work in Python and, and some work in Django, I, I'm able to look at the pull request, look at what's going on um, and have an idea. I, I'll be the first to admit nowadays, the code base is beyond me. Uh, the majority of what, what's in that code base is beyond my level of expertise in, in Python and Django. Yeah. Um, we've got so many pieces going on. Um, it's, it, it's not all captured in my head as far as every single piece, as much as the developers who are in the code day to day. So that's, that is a disadvantage. But um, I'm going to say that's normal. At, like as a manager, that's not agreed. really, I mean, it just, I don't think that is, it's even, it's you're a small business still, but as a company gets bigger, I don't, you say it's a disadvantage, but I also think it's normal and I don't, um, so I don't really consider it a disadvantage. You can still have the conversations you need to have with the people, the builders and the executives and the other stakeholders about technology. And right. I don't, and so I guess I wouldn't use that term of disadvantage in your case um, at all. And, and that's fair. It's a, it's a disadvantage in a perfect world, yeah. in, in a in a perfect knowledge world, and this, that that there's just no such thing. There are only so many hours in a day. So let me uh, throw a hypothetical at you then, because the scenario that I see a lot is this is on the smaller business level. So a, a founder of a startup wants to find a CTO and one of the big prerequisites that they give the recruiter or the, when they talk to me or talk to someone else is I want 
a co-founder or someone in the ranks that codes as well. I don't have enough money just to have a manager. And Aspire EDU really is an interesting um, story because you all set out where you were not the main developer at the start of the company. So I think that that approach is a money-saving like tactic more than anything else because co-founding executives don't tend to get paid. They tend to take equity more. And so all of a sudden you've got this like a manager level person doing what a developer would get paid to do. But I guess my, um, the biggest question as a hypothetical is if I come to you, Don, and I, everything about you and my startup, or my company, my small business is great. Like every, there's the only factor is that I'm going to be using, <clears throat> I'll pull this out because I don't think you know it, Elixir, Phoenix, um, Erlang as my code stack. And I'm going to be using Azure, like Microsoft for the backend, which you, I don't think you have DevOps skills in. So I've already chosen this platform where we've built enough and I want to hire you. Should I just eliminate you altogether? Like where, where, if you want to work at the startup I'm doing, what is your pitch as to why you still have relevance as a CTO, as a tech leader in my company, despite the fact that you don't initially know this code base, this stack? Yeah, that's going to be tough without fully fleshing out the hypothetical. Sure. Um, it, it, the, the factors that come into play, um, and, and you, you made some, some decisions there that kind of influence that. Um, but the, the factors that come into play is how many people does this startup have to begin with? Okay. There, yep. I, you're, you're absolutely right. And you didn't come out and say it and I'll come out and say it. Hmm. What we did with Aspire EDU is a little bit rare yeah. on what the CTO does in a, as a founding CTO. Yeah. Um, that That's fairly rare. Um, usually the founding CTO is usually your first developer. Yeah. It's usually, and, and I'm, I'm, I keep throwing the word usually in because exceptions abound. Um, it's usually not even necessarily someone who has, managerial experience. Um, It's usually a developer who's been developing a while and may have uh, even been a lead developer on teams, but not hardcore managerial experience and all that that entails. So it, my, when I came in, it was, it, it, it is a rare thing to not have your founding CTO code. Um, and there were circumstances that made that work out for us. Yep. Um, and I think it worked just fine. Um, in those, it, it was actually more matter of time commitment at that time too. Um, because during the founding days, that was a case of Don, why don't you lead our technical direction Yeah, while you have a full-time job elsewhere? Um, so that almost precluded me being real deep in the code because yes, you can code outside of hours and and that's, 
We'll talk about that a little here, and we're going to talk about that a lot in another episode. Sure. Um, you can code outside of work hours, but not to build a product, not 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 to get that product to market. You you need a lot of good focus, and so we we made the decision that I'd come on board, lead the technical direction, answer yeah. the technical questions, but not necessarily do the bulk lifting of the coding. So I'm going to grab a word you just said, because I think it's a big key to what I want the listener to understand about the CTO coding and a CTO's job for a company. You said focus. And it really comes down to, in the hypothetical situation, what I didn't provide you was, what do I want the CTO role to do? Right. And the idea that you can take a person, like a technical manager, a a CTO role, which typically is framed by a person that has to be communicating with several different stakeholders in a company. And sometimes it's outside the company. A CTO can be talking to investors about the technical risk of the company. Uh, Definitely all the executives talking to the marketing team, product development, if that's even that big. But the CTO's role is to be communicating. Like almost every executive turns into that that role, even at the small level, is about communication. But a developer role is much more about focus. Like definitely developers have to talk to people and communicate. But when you sit down and need to knock out a bunch of code to solve a bunch of technical problems, there's a tremendous amount of focus, and that involves quiet <laughs> and, and less talking. And so is where like people don't, you, you remove a lot of the audible, a lot of the talking and discussion when you sit down, when a developer sits down and starts coding, even in a pairing situation, if there is talking, it's strictly about the code in front of you. It's not typically talking about business issues and non-relevant subject matter. So the idea then if, if you have your CTO coding is, where, how are you having them split up your day? Or their day, I should say. Right. Because there is a tremendous amount of difference in what the, the role requires from technical manager to technical implementer. And that's, like, you could, like going back to your word disadvantage, maybe the advantage was there's a technical person on this team that is communicating more than anything else and not heads down coding because that takes away from the other role. Right. At least that's, so, that's how I've had that discussion before with people asking me, do you code as a CTO? Yeah. And, and another piece of it and another decision point of it is uh, Aspire EDU is all self-funded. We didn't take any venture capital. We didn't have any outside investors who might be asking um, those questions and who might who might have experience, more experience with coding CTOs, because again, that's the norm. Um, so that will play a factor as well is what are your investors expecting? Yeah. Um, now, I can make the argument that both work. You can be a coding, you can be a non-coding, and I can give arguments for either one. I'll give the argument for the non-coding right now. And that again is 
the focus, as you said, can be on the communication, can be on having those discussions. You don't want the person doing the bulk lifting of the coding to then have to turn around and go sell um, the company to investors, go pitch the company to investors. And that that's a lot of what um, I was able to help with and participate in because I wasn't the one doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, I can. I mean, the other issue is time management, I think. Um, if you talk, we, we probably we will talk about this in the future, I think, because I think providing focus for your developers, um, the time to focus and understanding how a developer's timeline works is a big CTO kind of um, something that the CTOs need to know. For but sure. To, to the point of when I got hired by Innovations for Learning in the CTO role, I started out with one other developer on the team, which happened to be the person who was the CTO before me. And it was a really good relationship, which is kind of uncommon for that role, that takeover. But the I had a lot of time to develop things and to work on hands-on it until I brought on more people. And I found immediately after bringing on more developers and designer and building a team, more and more my time was consumed by meetings with different stakeholders, my own team, project prioritization, task prioritization. And I was like, whoa, I just went in a span of three or four months from 75% coding, 25% management to 25% coding, 75% management. And by the end of my timeline there, I was doing barely any code. Now we were very productive because I was making things move along on a the management side, but I don't know that um, I don't know this like it's not very clear. And I, maybe you have an opinion on this. How many people would you have? Do you think working under a manager makes that turns that technical coding manager into? Hey, you're just running meetings and Trello boards and agile processes, and you're no longer coding. Like, what's do you have an experience with numbers where that starts to change for you? Oh, gracious. Um, yeah, I would say that once you get probably past the past the four or five developer mark, yeah it's going to be hard to be doing the bulk lifting in the code. Um, Just because you do have to be managing the, uh, unless you've got a separate project manager, which you may, you may choose to do. You may choose to continue to do the heavy lifting and hire a project manager who can coordinate all that work. Um, You do that, you can probably get a bit further, but not a lot because then you're going to start getting into how much are you do, how much are you involved in the different code reviews? And that, uh, that depends on your process as well. Um, so, so it's, it's a tough question to answer. And it's, it's kind of, I would say you're in the, that four to five developer range when, when things really start to flip. Now, yeah. let me throw a complete curveball at you. Sure. We, we're, we're talking about technical managers and, and, how, and what they do. 
But usually when that is stated, what we're talking about is technical companies as well. They yeah. produce technical products. They produce software products. They produce technical hardware products. What about non-technical companies? So let's talk about construction specialties in which sure. I'm, I'm a COO as much as I am a CTO. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in charge of the day-to-day operations of the company, but I'm also the only one who can do anything significantly technical. Yeah. Um, and that that goes back to your first CTO role, I think, yep. wh- which is one of those where, yep, we, we brought a new person. Okay, I got to go set up the, the mail account for them. I got to make sure their computer's set up properly. I got to... I got to go and install office and and all those various sundry things um, for a non-technical company. And this is really where, where we start to talk about the, the time outside of, of work too. And I'm, as we're adding people there and, and we're adding people because myself and the other person who do a lot of the operations work, that's the bulk of our day is making yeah. sure that work that comes in gets passed back out to the to the proper people and finding new people to do work in new areas that's that's that constitutes the bulk of our day and i don't have the time yeah in 8 hours a day to build a better system we're we're so, stitching things together using trello using yeah a couple different we stitch it together and it works but in my head, there, it, it, I think we've had this discussion on the yeah. side in, in the past. There are a thousand project management solutions because everybody has their own way of doing things, and that, that that's the exact case we have here. So, to your point, to your, to the scenario you just brought up, let's say I've got a a hypothetical. I am a, running a company. Um, it's non technical, or technology is not its focus. It's delivering a service that tech, like c- computer system, custom app or whatever is not how it, they make money. I don't want a technical manager that is building things from scratch for my company. Now, this goes into the buy versus build discussion, which I'm sure we'll have in a future episode. But right. most likely in, almost, in a lot, majority of cases, you're not going to do a build you're going to do a buy and that's what you're talking about stitching together different systems to make a your own business process work so in that case i don't want my technical manager to be a pro at hands-on coding i want them to be a pro at looking at outside solutions that are affordable like how they're affordable based on our budget and the return on investment of that um, outsourcing being able to take the stitching together is huge because if you're able to take two disparate systems and make them work together, no matter how it may not be that um, difficult, it may be a little janky, but if you can get that done without doing a build, it's a humongous win for your company. Let me, let me stop you right there for a second. Sure. I think, I think you're on the thread of something and I just, I just want to capture it before we, we go further. <laughs> All so, right. You're, you're right. If, if you buy the systems that, that you don't have to be spending the money building something new. I do think there's a very, very important 
distinction here, though, is whether it's the CTO or whether it's someone you hire, it's also vitally important that as you stitch together these different systems that you're buying, you have someone who can truly stitch them together using APIs and get them talking to each other. That's the, that's the problem we face right now is we have a number of systems that we're using to manage our work. None of them work together. So that's where I've got to spend some time stitching it together so that they truly flow better. Um, Everything we use works great. But we end up, it, to, when we take in a new piece of work, someone, either me or usually the other person who, who works with me on operations, we literally sit down, type up the information on the work in one system, turn around yeah. and type up that same exact same information somewhere else. Yeah. So that right there is a loss of time that, Hopefully over the next three or four weeks, I'm going to be able to at least put those two pieces together. And once I've got those two pieces together, we only have to type it once. And then once I do that, I think I'll be able to tack on other things. And yes, I I don't need to go build Trello. Uh, I I can use Trello to hold all our work items. But I do need to build or have someone build something that stitches it to everything else we're doing. But you don't need the CTO to do that. You need the CTO to hire. Agreed. Someone to do that. You, and that's that you need. You need your technical. You need someone. I won't even say a technical manager. You need yeah. someone who's aware that those things exist. Okay. Again, we're talking about a non-technical company. We're talking about a construction company. Okay. A construction company that if you hire construction managers may not get exactly how all that works. There are some that that would, there are some, some who are very technically savvy and they get all that, but certainly understanding that it's even possible is sometimes the, the real issue. So let me jump in with one last point um, to make about something to be for something for the a manager or a CEO um, hiring their first developer or someone on their team to do a build. Sure. And if you hire a developer and you want them to be hands-on at the beginning and not doing much managerial stuff. And you probably make your determination to hire them based on their technical skills and development and all their time is focused on heads down on building down the road when you grow. And if that person does not exhibit developments or sorry, management skills, communication skills, but they're great at the code, you've top leveled their title, which, you know, maybe not, maybe may not be a big deal to in a small business scenario, but it does matter to people. And For sure. so the, one of the big concerns that people should think about is, is the title a hindrance for late future growth if that person doesn't actually end up being a management candidate. Right. So, and I, and I do think you see startups not hire their first developer as 
CTO in title. Um, you will see them as uh, vice president of yeah. development or uh, lead developer, or they will use some other title to give themselves that room to say, okay, yeah. now we can bring somebody over to do the management. Or if everything works out great, we'll promote the person from within. Yeah. But you're absolutely right that um, that first, you have to be real careful with titling that first person, first technical person, because if you title them CTO yeah. and, and they can't, they, they, they can't grow into the management part of it, you're going to have to give them a different title, probably lower their title, yeah. um, which may cause them to leave. Yep. Um, or you're going to have to just completely throw out titles and do something funky, which there, there ain't no thing as a senior CTO, unless you're just calling them old. Exactly. <laughs> which I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm looking down, I'm looking on the calendar and it's not going to, it's not too far off anymore. Nope. All right. So I think we're uh, at a good stopping point for today. Um, Anything, a good conversation. I think this is a something that definitely comes up in the smaller business space and still comes up in the bigger companies. I still have people ask me, you know, they're trying to hire for a, a big company and they still want a CTO that codes. I'm like, you have 30 people on your team. What are they going to, how are they going to have time to talk to anybody? Certainly. But, and, and you and you, I've, I've certainly faced that issue of, of, um, when when moving jobs, having yeah. that discussion of, okay, yeah, we've got a 20-person technical staff doing Java, I'll say. I'll just pick something that I'm not real strong in. Doing yeah. Java, uh, we, need, we need a senior technical manager. They want, not even CTO, yeah. senior technical manager. And that person has to be in the code. And that was always my question is, yeah. <laughs> what are the job responsibilities? It sounds like the job responsibilities are managing the team. Why yeah. do they have to be in the code? Um, do they have to be able to read the code, understand the code? Yes. Do they need to understand all the corners, nooks and crannies of the code on their own? Probably not. I can certainly have one of the yeah. developers walk me through the issue. And with with the background that I have, certainly understand what's going on. So, yeah. All right. So as we wrap, finally wrap this up, um, how's develop, how is hands-on your development going with your newest project? Yeah, it's just a little fun side project that I'm using to, to, to learn, right? So that, that's the other part is learning new technologies is always a good idea too. So it's coming yeah. along fine. Um, I'll probably be able to get it out there doing its little thing here um, in the next week or so. Um, and then everything I've learned from that, I'm going to turn around and use to help build that stitching together that we were talking about for construction specialties. Yep, sounds cool. Yeah, what? Uh, All right. What, what? What are you? Uh, what are you coding on uh, this week? Is it going to be more of the uh, HOA done? Uh, HOA done, and I am working on that side project for Caption Point, the uh, online the. Uh, you know, open and closed captioning kind of nonprofit open source project. And I've got to learn Electron 
um, as for one of the components. So, you know, dabbling in new tech is kind of the fun side thing. The problem is always the time available to do it sure. is fleeting, but that's what I'll be working on next week. Um, and so, all right. Sounds good talking to you. We will talk more next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Randy. Later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share a link to the podcast with your friends. Show music is by is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. For questions, comments, or things you'd like to hear on future shows, please email us at advice at ctothink.com. For notifications of future episodes, please sign up to the CTO Think newsletter also on our website. We'll keep talking next week. We'll be right back.